How y'all doing there? Sure like to thank y'all for stopping by for another episode of this Removing the Illusion podcast. Man, listen here. Now y'all know before we get started here, I always got to tell y'all what I'm smoking on tonight. And tonight, I'm smoking on Oliva Series V Maduro. Man, let me tell you here. It's been a long time since I actually had this stick here. Man, actually, I can tell you, it's probably been like over a year before I smoked uh, Olivia. Man, it's been a while, man. Matter of fact, man, it was one of the first uh, first sticks that I kind of got off into because I used to listen to this podcast called Stogie Breeze. Stogie Breeze podcast. I like them fellas' podcast. Them fellas show sure is very knowledgeable when it comes to cigars. If y'all want some good cigar listening, some good cigar listening talk, y'all venture on over one of that podcast called Stogie Breeze. I like them fellas, and they ain't paying me for this, too, because I ain't got no listeners. They probably got a lot more than I do, but I'm just telling y'all, you know, this is a good stick. This is where I first heard about the Olivia V series. I heard it on their podcast, and I remember I went into my raw cigar spot, you know, asking for it, but I wasn't ready to smoke it. See, this right here, this is a full-body cigar. And back at that time, I wasn't ready for no full-body cigar. I did smoke a Libby. I can't think of the, the, the one that I smoked, but it was a, it was like a medium. The one that I smoked at that time. But see, I can handle these full-body cigars now. And tonight, I can enjoy all these little flavors here in this Olivia Series V Maduro. Yeah, now, y'all know by now I like that Maduro. You see, that's my little nickname the guys gave me at the shop because it's like, you know, we all got the same first name. You know, it's like six or seven of us up there all got the same first name. So we all got little nicknames and... You know, that's that's the little one that they gave me, and, and uh, it's all right with me. And I'm sure it's enjoying these Maduros. Now, let me tell y'all what these folks say about this little stick here. You know, now they, they, now they, what these folks is saying, they say that this thing here is based on ultra-popular, 95-rated or, original Olivia Series V blend. The Maduro version is drafted from a hearty combination Nicaraguan Liguria Long Fillers beneath a sweet and spicy San Andreas wrapper leaf. <laughs> that thing even sounds sexy, don't it? <laughs> Notes of cocoa, coffee, black pepper, and wood deliver a full body finish with a creamy kick. And another sought after handmade Nicaraguan gem from the award winning Olivia brand to your collection with the Olivia Series V Maduro. Now, let me tell y'all something. Now, everything them folks say is good. Now, you know, like I tell you all the time when I be talking to y'all, I don't know nothing about them sensing all them notes they be talking about, coffee creamy. All thing I know is that you can taste some nice little notes in here because I can taste as soon as I hit it in my lips. I can, I can, I can taste them notes. I can't taste them notes in that. And, uh, but I can't, I, I, I can't split them apart like they can. I don't know how they can split them apart like that, but they can split them apart. And it, it, it says a very, very good stick here. Like I said, back at that time, I wasn't ready for it. You know, but I'm ready for it now, and I'm sure it's enjoying this stick. So if y'all want y'all a good stick that y'all can enjoy, like, you know, after a good healthy meal, eat your good steak or something like that. If you ain't a vegetarian, you know, you get you get your good uh get your good steak, a good meal, and then you kick back, man, find your whatever your little favorite drink is, and you try one of these Olivia Series V Maduro. Now if you can't if you ain't be near or dear your local cigar spot where you can patronize your local cigar cigar spot, because I tell y'all about that all the time. Y'all got to keep money into the local population, you know, uh, uh, in the, I'm sorry, into the local economy, you know, with your local cigar spot. But if not, you know, you go online to Holt Cigar or, or 
or CI or somebody like that or Corona, David Dolph, and y'all order y'all some of these sticks for your humidor. You know, maybe, maybe you're getting out, you want you want to put your convertible top down on your car if you got one or can afford one. Take a little drive and, you know, and smoke it on, you know, smoke it on you, one of these little nice sticks here, okay? But this is a really good stick. Man, I'm, I'm showing, I'm showing, enjoying it. Now, y'all know all the time, you know, lately here, you know, uh, I've been I've been talking about money here a lot. You know, I've been talking about money a whole lot here lately. And you know, with everything going on here, I'll be trying to give y'all, you know, a little, you know, a little insight on what's going on with this uh corona thing, you know, with what's going on, but it's most that economic thing that's that's uh it just in my opinion, you know, that's going on. But at the same time is you know, give you a little background on the money system because everything evolves around the money system because you can't go to these grocery stores unless you got money. You know what I mean? You can't put gas in your car unless you got money. You know, matter of fact, you can't even pump money in the local economy going to the cigar spot if you ain't got no money. And that money is a medium exchange. Now, a lot of my little talks here I just had recently, I kind of mentioned, you know, the book that I had got into, you know, back there in the early 80s, late 90s called Money, the Greatest Hoax on Earth by a gentleman by the name of Merle Jenkins. And I was sitting up here figuring, you know, because one thing you can't do, you can't give people too much time. You can't give people too much time because people, people get too much time on their hand. They be sitting down there figuring things. And you don't want folks figuring things. You don't want that. You want people out there shopping, you know, spending money. You want people out there working. You know, you want to keep people moving. You don't want to keep people stagnating because people that stagnate and start thinking too much, they start thinking about, well, what you doing? You know what I mean? It's like at work when you're a supervisor, you're a manager. You get people that are working for you. You know what I mean? You know, you, you, hire, you hire employees to do stuff for you. You don't hire employees to just sit around underneath you. So when you're sitting there as a manager, and you may not be doing nothing to pick a particular time, and one of your low-level employees come in, they see you not doing anything, then they get sad too, like, you know, why I got to work and they ain't got to work. That's because you got to work because I hired you to work. If I, if, 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 if I ain't need nobody, I wouldn't hire you to spend money on you. I gave you opportunity, so you got to do what you got to do. Say, yeah, what people do, so you can't give people too much time, because people start looking at you. Well, what, well, what you doing? And that's like the money thing here. You know, I think about it. This thing here with Merle Jenkins, you know, this thing here, it gave me my foundation of understanding money. You know, not to be so possessive of it and all that old crazy stuff like that, but to understand it. You know, now Merle thing was, Merle was against the IRS. You know, he was against the whole creation of money. And I can understand his thing. I can read it. I can understand it. Now, what I want to break down tonight, I want to try to get y'all a little bit about what I learned about this money thing. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at Money, the Greatest Hoax on Earth, Merle Jenkins' book. Now, we're going to start off with, with like four chapters at a time. But what I want y'all to do is I want y'all to go on Amazon. Everybody who cares about money and understand this thing needs to go on Amazon and buy money. The Greatest, Her greatest Hoax on Earth by Merrill Jenkins. It's a green and white book, so don't get fooled by any other name now. It's a green and white, a green and white book. Y'all need to go on Amazon and buy this book and you have it in your collection. Now, I'm going to tell you, this book is a hard read. And, and, and when you read, you go through this book, you can tell Mr. Merle Jenkins thinking. You, 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 you can see how this man think. You know, this man think. This, this, I mean, this man thinks in abstract, not so much in abstract. Yeah, in some parts abstract, but 
It's definitely a hard read. And even when I sat down and did the little thing here, it's even a hard listen at times too. But I want y'all to stop to but I want y'all to just listen to this thing and then go back and listen to it again. Right. And I went and we're gonna take it in like I say four parts because I can't feed y'all all this book at one time. You see, I can't feed it all to you at one time. I want to feed it to you a little potion, but most importantly, I want y'all to go and buy this book for your collection. Use your little big cones if you're using big cones. Uh, use your little credit card or whatever, but I want y'all to get this book for yourself where you can go back and you can review this book. Now, this is for the folks who care about the currency or, or the currency that they're using to buy their little things with. You see what I'm saying? And you want nobody now. If you want to stay blind to the money system, now you can stay blind all you want. You know, you can stay blind and you can listen to CNN and you can look at listen to Fox News and you can look at look listen to some of these economists, you know, who tell you things. But this is the real deal right here when you learn about money. And like I tell you all the time, you know, I know about this thing and Merle breaks it down. But you know what? I'm, I'm getting too far ahead of myself. I'm getting too far ahead of myself. I'm getting into my little commentary right now. But right now, what I want y'all to do is, like I say, we're going to take this thing. We're going to listen. We're going to listen. We're going to take a look at four points, you know, four, four, four parts. You know, the first part, you know, is the forward. The next part we're going to listen to is uh, the chapter one is on realists. Chapter two is on errors. Chapter three is on money, middle block. Chapter four is on dollars or not back. And then I'm going to let y'all permeate on that for like a week or so, maybe a little more than that. Then I'm going to come back and I'm going to hit y'all a little bit more. But I want y'all to keep revisiting this little pod talk. And y'all listen to this thing here. But most importantly, I want y'all to go out and I want y'all to get the book. On Money, The Greatest Hoax on Earth by Meryl Jenkins. Now, I'm going to sit back here and I'm going to puff on my Olivia Series B Maduro while y'all listen to this thing. And I'm going to come back on the other side and we're going to talk about it for a little few minutes, okay? Because I don't want to bother y'all with a whole lot of commentary because I want y'all to marinate on a little bit more of this talk here. All right, I'm going to come back and catch up with y'all on the flip side. All right, now. Money, The Greatest Hoax on Earth. Forward. Written by. F. Andrew Bell, businessman. And free enterprise proponent. It is difficult to recall a period in history of like proportion to our present months and years when. So much honest investigation of a worldwide problem has yielded so little hope for a sensible. Solution. Inflation is the problem. Money is the tool that has produced it. Merrill Jenkins, in this. Book, Money Slash The Greatest Hoax on Earth, is the man who explains it as it has. Never been explained before. Concerning the causes of inflation, economists disagree, businessmen disagree, labor leaders disagree, and of course politicians disagree. Something appears to have ensnared the reasoning. Power of the very elite, for surely they are of honorable intent and would not hesitate to shape the avenue of escape if they but saw it. Clearly, the issue has the governing communities around the world buffaloed. The calamity of a currency collapse is feared by all, yet no one has stepped forth. To point to the foe in ambush, the real cause of inflation no one, that is, until Merrill Jenkins, self-styled monetary realist and economic observer. From a point outside the pale of immediate involvement, he has been able to see the economic forest through the trees. He has been able to clarify great chunks of misreasoning with a single re-definition of a common economic term. His glossary, for instance, cuts to the heart of all of the hazy thinking that has been going on in economic circles everywhere. The mesmerism that would engulf thinkers on this subject makes it almost appear that some 
Strange economic infection from outer space has now invaded the Earth to the point where our leaders find it necessary to ask all of us to unite in a solid front to fight this mysterious enemy, which threatens our lifestyle as we know it, if not our very lives themselves. As not each of us asked himself how could it possibly be that we are in such a predicament. After reading this book, one feels suddenly prepared to see through the disarray of conflicting opinions that disport themselves on this subject in every learned quarter. Reward enough for reading it. It is predicted that you too will find the clarifying truth that this book unfolds simple. Indeed. Simple, yes, but profound nonetheless, and since its base is moral, not always so easily. Entreated. Mr. Jenkins sets forth his exposition directly and persistently in textbook fashion, stating his radical premise time and time again, supporting that premise from one viewpoint and then from another, and then stating the premise again. There can be no logical escape. And so it must be, in order for this book to do its teaching job, since so many of our preconceived notions about the all too common commodity cash have to be patiently uprooted and replaced with the facts age-old facts, admittedly, yet understood by so few throughout the world today. Money in the United States today is totally without backing and is therefore virtually worthless. Mr. Jenkins tells us, from every conceivable angle. The same can be said of money in most other countries of the world, and this is the reason, pure and simple, for the currency crisis that presently envelops the globe, according to Mr. Jenkins. Instead of money representing wealth in a banker's vault, there is no wealth on hand to redeem his money. Yet day in and day out the banking industry continues to create unbelievably huge sums of it in order to profit handsomely from its loan. This is the little understood financial process which shapes our economic path as individuals and as nations, accounting for the demoralizing inflationary effect we find almost everywhere. The great divergence in Merrill Jenkins' analysis is that he lays the blame for our present economic woes directly at the door of the banking industry, principally the Federal Reserve banking system which he insists is not a part of the federal government in any way in spite of its name. Whereas everyone else blames the government for the money mess, logically enough since we seem to be dealing with the coin of the realm, Mr. Jenkins cuts through the smoke to the fire which is controlled very systematically by a few privileged N. Treepiners. Even the government pays tribute to these powerful few, according to Mr. Jenkins. It apparently accomplishes little these days to attack that which the people have set up to reign over them with absolute authority, namely their government. If inflation has been directly caused by government, so the reasoning goes, then it must be somehow proper that we have it with us. Hence, the reluctance abroad to come to grips with the monster. Mr. Jenkins points the finger in another direction entirely, away from the holy land of government to a private sector of society, the bankers, and in so doing he should gather the support of the multitude. In due course the seeker for an answer will most assuredly discover that his government gave the privilege to the banking industry in the first place, and for not the purest reasons. But then, in the final analysis, the seeker for the whole truth will find the basic elements of fraud in his own thinking, the desire to have something for nothing, shadowed forth in the government he condones. Merrill Jenkins began searching out the facts systematically some five years ago, following whatever meager trail of logic and evidence he could find, to the point where he has been able to piece together the truth in this book. His efforts to fully substantiate his conclusions have been exhaustive. His confrontations with high officials in the banking industry, have further convinced 
him that his facts are straight and his logic sound. He relates that money as a medium of exchange has degenerated to such an extent that even eminent international economists cannot agree on what money nowadays really is or just how banks create it. The world of currency is indeed stranger than fiction at first glance, a mystery beyond belief. At second glance, Mr. Jenkins' glance, a simple everyday garden variety type of economic phenomenon. Chapter 1. Realist. Realist, one who seeks to recognize, understand, and acknowledge natural laws, and their invincibility to violation. Being a realist one must suffer through opposition at every turn. It is necessary to fight a lifetime of indoctrination of acceptance of what was offered without question, accepting the teachings without question, and committing them to the personal memory data bank. Our minds have tremendous capacity for data processing, and deductive reasoning. It is unbelievable that the human mind could conceive of, construct, and make operate as his servant, a machine able to outperform the human mind. Unbelievable to me, for I am sure there are those who do believe that a computer can outperform the human mind. But just as man has made machines that can lift greater weight, make sound heard round the world, and carry him through the air, man has also made a machine that could exceed the human brain in some functions, but never will a computer be built that can outperform the human mind. The computer is only as intelligent as the information man feeds it. This marvelous piece of machinery is limited by the facts it has stored, and must draw upon to compose its findings. It seems the human brain has the same shortcomings, it can only be as intelligent as its data bank will permit. One of the first things a realist has to concentrate on is to question every thought and idea for its base in fact and logic. Our vocabulary proves to be the big obstacle to rapid deductive reasoning. The following short list of units of measure, mile, ton, and pound will help to illustrate that using them efficiently in a calculation of the mind is impossible without using other words in conjunction with them to give specific meaning. Mile, a nautical mile is 800 feet longer than a land mile. Mile, a land mile is 800 feet shorter than a nautical mile. Ton, a long ton is 240 pounds heavier than a short ton. Ton, a short ton is 240 pounds lighter than a long ton ton, a register ton is 100 cubic feet. Ton, a displacement ton is 35 cubic feet. Ton, a measurement ton is 40 cubic feet. Ton, a freight ton is 40 cubic feet. Pound, a dog pound is an enclosure. Pound, a troy pound is 5,760 grains. Pound, a avertipoise pound is 7,000 grains. Before being able to do realistic thinking and reasoning, we must at least give the mind a vocabulary of clearly definable words, and as extensive a supply of usable data as we would a computer. No word should be accepted for use unless it has a definition, and that definition only. No word should ever have two definitions. If any word can seem to have two or more definitions, then it is evident the definitions are not definitive enough. Nothing can do more to incapacitate our minds for clear thinking and reasoning than words with dual or multiple meanings. The words money and dollar have been the most responsible for our confusion concerning economics. Money is not wealth. Money is a psychologically created entity, credit, inflation, or, imaginary demand, medium by use. Wealth is any material thing produced by human exertion having exchange value, supply or demand. The method of measurement for clear thinking and evaluation of use value on all commodities should be by weight or volume, quantity, and purity.
Almost any quantity or mass can be described. By the use of these methods or a standardization of systems now existing. Wealth as a medium of exchange should enable storage of a large amount of use value in a small space to be easily transportable, be divisible into small unit quantities without destruction of its use value, and be durable against all potential hazards. Units marked as to quantity and commodity purity, and attested to by authority, should be acceptable throughout the sphere of that authority by consenting producers. Money is imaginary debt, and is intangible. It cannot be measured by any quantity standard. Volume, weight, density, or purity, therefore one had to be invented, and it was the dollar unit. Monetizing debt is a means of deferring an obligation into eternity, and in effect thereby expropriating the wealth of the producer, and to apply the unit dollar to wealth was essential to this. Cause. The only fitting definition for the word dollar is, an expression of measure used to facilitate. Cross-reference between wealth and money, credit, inflation. Realists recognize the difference between wealth and money, and the consequences of money. Creation and use, and also the obvious law it demands be acknowledged. Jenkins Economic Truth Number 9. Whatever during an exchange is accepted as a medium of exchange in lieu of wealth. Is imaginary demand, money, credit, and, inflation. Chapter 2. Errorists. An errorist is, one who by choice or otherwise adopts and perpetuates an idea that is in violation of natural law. One who believes only in the here and now, and in what appears to be true. One who is prone to accept convention as being the supreme test. One who is not concerned with the final outcome of any word or deed, but only that on the surface it okay. One who completely ignores consequences in order to be expedient. One who jumps to a wrong conclusion. One who fails to observe available historical data and use it in his calculations. An errorist's conception of the value of money is what you can get for it. The error is in ignoring the factor of time completely. When money is exchanged for goods, the money is being used as a medium of exchange. The time factor is concerned with the fact that use value of money is less than its exchange value. It must go through another exchange before its holder will have the commodity he wishes to use or consume. The interval between the initial exchange, receiving the money for personal production, and the final exchange, passing the money on for the produce of another, may be very short indeed. Some of us have felt we have it spent before we receive it. This very short interval leads to a conclusion that money is just as good as wealth, but we fail to observe that an exchange of wealth is final. An exchange for money requires an interval, and another exchange, and thereby creates a condition that is in direct violation of natural law by allowing wealth, supply, to exchange for credit, inflation, imaginary demand. To illustrate the everlasting effect of this monster once created, let's look at just one transaction. And the thing it sets in motion. B is an owner of wealth, a producer of commodities in the capitalist, division of labor, system. Of employing wealth and labor in the production of goods for exchange. A is also a producer exactly as B. If B sells his goods to A for gold or silver coin of commodity value, the transaction is complete. Because they exchanged wealth for wealth. The gold or silver coins are wealth. Commodity production, and a medium of exchange that can be used anywhere, anytime to. Errorists 3. Purchase other goods, there isn't any promise involved, the gold and silver are wealth itself. Having use value comparable to its exchange value. However, if B should sell his goods to A and receive money, he is receiving imaginary 
demand with use value less than its exchange value. B buys from C to finalize his exchange and acquire the commodity with the use value he desires. C now has the money with its exchange value greater than its use value. D sells his produce to C and receives money. D has money, exchange value greater than use value. E sells produce to D. E has money, exchange value greater than use value. F sells produce to E. F now has money, exchange value greater than use value. Exchange value, money, greater than use value, production, is inflation, imaginary. Demand. This can go on forever and ever, and the final exchange is postponed far into the future. The violation of the natural law of competitive production parities is that this new element money has become a perpetual unquenchable imaginary demand, as more and more money is created, the falling dollar parity drops lower. The productivity of people increases at a natural pace. The money supply increases at an ever-increasing rate, and this imbalance between wealth, real demand, and imaginary demand, money, causes lower dollar parity, money exchange value. Decreasing as volume of money increases, because of increased dollars bid per unit of production. With dollar volume rising inexorably and production conforming to natural laws, the conflict always ends in eventual falling dollar parity to the point of economic collapse. Historic data on this are very conclusive. But to anyone not concerned with historical data, money in lieu of wealth could not matter less. This money hoax once created does not disappear. It hangs over the economy, and is essentially invisible. Its effect builds, over the years, but goes undetected until the dollar's parity starts changing with a rapidity that becomes noticeable. To illustrate this, let's take some figures that are current at this writing. The budget deficit for 1971 is estimated to run up to some $20 billion. $20 billion are 365 equals $54,800,000 a day. 54,800,000.00 t24 equals 2,283,333 an hour. 2,283,333 j60 equals 38,000.00 a minute. 38,000 are 200 million people equals 0.00019 dollars, 19 slash 1000 ths, of a penny per minute for every man, woman, and child in the United States. Or 0.00019$ x60 equals 0.01140$ an hour. 0.1140 x24 equals 0.27360 a day. 0.27360 x7 equals 1.91520 a week. 1.91520 x4.3 equals 8.23536 a month. 8.23536 x12 equals 98.82 a year for every man, woman, and child in the United States. Multiply by the number of members in your family to find the deficit increase for just this. One year. The increased burden placed on your family because of the irresponsible creation and use of money instead of gold and silver coins of commodity value. The impact of 28c per day increase in the federal debt to an individual just doesn't impress him as being any threat. At what point will it appear as a threat? We traced only one set of transactions, but, of course, the total number of persons in the act of exchange at one moment is fantastic. In 1942 with a population of approximately 135 million people, there was an estimated $50 billion in circulation, 
or between $350 and $400 per person. At present, there are 200 million people with a money volume of over $220 billion, or between $1,0001,200 per person. The created money volume keeps growing as if it were never going to have to be paid off, yet that is the very substance of its existence. Money is accepted as a claim on wealth in ignorance. Dollars are accepted, with or without awareness that they are, records of imaginary debt. Paper dollar tokens are accepted, with or without awareness that they are evidence of imaginary debts we owe to the issuer. If the tokens were to be exchanged at their use value, it would take a carload to buy a car, they would be wealth. So traded, but exchanged at their face value, they are money, imaginary demand. They are a pseudo claim against the goods of some future producer, and the only way he will be able to make use of them is to pass them on to someone else. Money, imaginary demand, can only be taken out of circulation one way, and that is by the creator. The creator must redeem paper tokens for their full face value from the last holder for its cycle to be completed, and for it to be destroyed. Until the money, imaginary demand, is redeemed by the creators, every bit of it in circulation is a record of imaginary debt which cannot be repaid and will not be redeemed. The creators collectively, US Treasury and Federal Reserve System banks, owe us $220 billion in wealth that they expropriated, and there isn't one slash twentieth of that in gold in the country. In addition, we owe $50 to $60 billion to Germany and others. How long will our faith in the creators last? Germany and Austria lost theirs. To deny that a day of reckoning will come, is to refute that it ever happened in Germany in 1923. We accept dollars as debts we owe the banker from whom we get them. When in fact the debt is imaginary. We use them as claims on wealth the banker owes to whomever we obtain wealth from with them. When in fact the banks will not redeem them. We cannot ever totally pay back the debt we owe the banker because of interest. The banker will never redeem the dollars, they are non-redeemable by the issuer. This ridiculous situation is destined to continue until the psychological nature of money is exposed, or until the expropriation of wealth consumes most of production and man begins to starve. Chapter 3. Money Mental Block. The degree of concern must be somewhat proportional to the degree of awareness. To bring about a degree of concern in the great mass of people one must endeavor to educate, to bring about a degree of awareness. Exposing a hidden truth to the light of day, doesn't mean a thing, unless it is accepted and the receiver realizes the fact it represents. To a great many people a fact ignored, is not a fact. Just telling facts does not assure their acceptance, for a fact to be accepted it must be advanced through some kind of mental barrier. Just a few years back we were concerned about a possible sound barrier, no one knew for sure, what would happen when it was penetrated. Today, everyone accepts the sonic boom for what it is. When the threshold of resistance to monetary awareness is finally crossed and the mental barrier penetrated, the result will be somewhat more devastating than a sonic boom. For some reason the degree of awareness of any fact, for the individual, is relative to something other than just the method of presentation. A room containing a hundred people can listen to the presentation and see the evidence and perhaps two or three people will exhibit the telltale sign that lets the speaker know he has reached them. It isn't enough to present a fact, with its supporting evidence in different ways to reach different people. There are many times, many 
people present, who do not seem to grasp the significance or the gravity of the information, or to consider the outcome, that will eventually result from reaction to it. A speaker cannot teach anyone anything unless they are receptive, but just what does receptive mean? To say that someone is receptive, is to say they are able to absorb the information, but by what process, what exactly makes them receptive? Money Mental Block 5 Trying to understand this condition of being able to absorb and to become concerned, and how to bring about this condition in people has led to some interesting conclusions. Most people must have a strong barrier against accepting anything that clashes with an idea or concept already considered and accepted. Just as an object in motion tends to remain in motion and in the same direction, so it must be with accepted ideas. For some people the degree of conviction on the accepted idea must be so strong that to even have any new challenge to that idea considered it must be presented in exactly the right way. Until the individual will consider the new proposition there isn't the slightest chance it can be accepted. Until it is accepted, the degree of awareness to its contention cannot be expected to create any degree of concern. After you have arrived at a point in your presentation that causes an individual to consider the new proposition you are then faced with how well he will go through the mechanics of objective consideration. Only by associating himself with the ultimate effect the new concept could have on him personally, only by becoming personally involved with the idea, will the idea be considered with a degree of effort that will have a positive reaction. Too many times, when you think you have really brought home an idea to someone are you faced with a response of, I know, but why are you so excited about it? Which indicates to you that somehow he didn't get it, he still does not understand, because if he did he would not have asked, why are you so excited? You can only try again to somehow present the proposition in still another way to try to penetrate the new concept rejection barrier and transcend the acceptance threshold to obtain the degree of awareness necessary to bring forth the amount of concern you feel you should have generated. The fact that the dollar is no longer redeemable, is so fantastically significant that when the degree of awareness necessary to trigger the collapse of the hoax is finally attained in the necessary amount of the population the result will be absolutely unbelievable to millions of people, who have been exposed to this fact over and over again. People seem to want any new proposition to be unacceptable, with such dedication, that they will jump to accept the first thought their mind conjures up, which would tend to contradict the new proposition. In the case of the dollar they cling to a belief that it doesn't make any difference whether the dollar is redeemable or not as long as the people think it is, it still works the same. This conclusion is as ridiculous as ridiculous can be, and yet they will jump at it, and not go any further in their consideration. Only an objective consideration carried to the absolute extreme should ever be trusted as a basis for a conclusion. Only with the cooperation of the individual can the speaker reach the individual with the new proposition with any hope of its acceptance. The ultimate in success is when the speaker making the correct presentation meets the individual with an open mind, and a willingness to consider the material objectively on its own merit. In the case of the dollar the accepted ideas have been in the people's minds for so long that even the consideration to consider is very hard to come by. The longevity of the hoax has just about justified the acceptance of the idea, that if people believe in dollars that is all that is required. It is easy to see the strongest point that supports that belief, it is the fact that the producers of the wealth must pledge or exchange wealth to obtain dollars and so it holds they must be worth the wealth it costs to get them. 
somehow it hasn't crossed the minds of most people to wonder who obtained the dollars first, and by what means was the receipt of them justified. Where did the dollars originate? Who were the first individuals to use the very same dollars they are using? Those are the questions of the truth answers, and it only takes five seconds for true contemplation of the truth to convince the most diehard of diehards that dollars, money, is the greatest hoax on earth. To arrive at a true acceptance of a fact an individual must be willing to examine his thinking and reasoning with that of the speaker on a strictly non-competitive basis. A purely objective approach to trying to arrive at a greater understanding of the truth by considering all information. The very instance of anyone interrupting a speaker to say, I do not agree with. You would have to be evidence that either the statement is made because the speaker's information is being considered against preconceived conclusions, or that the information is not new and had been heard and considered earlier. It is evident to the speaker, that if he sees genuine shock and disbelief at the first mention of his fantastically unbelievable truth, that the disagreeing member of the audience had not heard it before and was disagreeing on the basis of preconceived conclusions, and therefore was not truly considering the proposition at all. Only a genuine desire to learn, lowers the rejection barrier to allow new facts across the threshold of the mind. Exposure to facts plus consideration equals awareness. Awareness plus acceptance of responsibility equals concern. Chapter 4. Dollars are not backed. The dollar is not backed by the wealth of its creator. It is not backed by the wealth of a depositor that deposited wealth, to cause its issue, because that was the way it was done originally. When we had private banking, and all certificates issued were bearer certificates redeemable in the wealth so deposited. The nature of the dollar was changed over a period of years so surreptitiously that few people today really understand the nature of the change. A dollar was a name applied to a silver coin of 371 grains of silver.999 fineness. A dollar was a name applied to a silver coin of 378 grains of silver.999 fineness. A dollar was a name applied to a gold coin of 137,143 grains of gold.999. Fineness. The gold coins were discontinued in 1934. The silver coins were discontinued in 1965 but the memory lingers on, and now the memory is called a dollar. While the gold and silver coins still existed as legal currency, paper certificates redeemable in those gold and silver coins were issued for use as proxy representations. People did not object to paper certificates, and in fact preferred them in place of heavy coins as mediums of exchange in the marketplace. The removal of the gold and silver coins as legal tender left the memory of them in the mind, and the paper to facilitate that memory and to help keep it alive. Now we trade dollars that are solely imagination and somehow most people cannot see anything wrong in that. Now we are told that it is the gross national product, GNP, that backs the dollar and we cannot find too much wrong with that because it surely does seem to be purchasable with dollars. There, in as concise a statement as can be provided, is the answer, the dollar used to be redeemable in produced wealth, now it can only be used to purchase wealth. The old certificates could be used to purchase wealth and could pass from one producer-consumer to another producer, consumer and whoever at any time wished to redeem his paper for the wealth in reserve for its redemption had merely to present it for redemption and he would receive the gold or silver coins. Without the silver and gold coins in reserve now, the redemption is impossible and only purchases can be made with dollars. Without redemption dollars accepted are bad checks. Just as 
redeemable dollars or non-redeemable dollars can be used to make purchases, so can good checks. Or bad checks be used to make purchases. The bad check can make many purchases and bear many endorsements but one day it will be presented for payment, and when that payment is refused it's bad check nature will be exposed. The bad check is returned through a reverse course to the issuer who is asked to make restitution, and we have laws to enforce that restitution. The dollar however, is accepted as being the good check and is never presented for payment. It is accepted as the payment itself. The Constitution of the United States stipulates that no state shall make anything except gold and silver coin as a tender in the payment of debt. If we did present the dollar to the bank and ask for specie payment it would be refused, and just like the bad check, dollars are not backed. It's true nature exposed, except that we do not seem to object to this condition. We would not take it back to whoever we received it from and demand restitution, because we can use it to purchase with and obtain the production we desire by purchase, even when redemption is refused. Eventually we accept the contention that the dollar is backed by the GNP. Sometimes it is stated by government that the dollar is backed by the full faith and credit of the government. If thought were applied to the use of the word backed it would lead to the remembrance that the dollar used to be backed by gold and silver, then backed was used to express redemption. If backed means redemption then where is the GNP stored that is held in? Reserve for the redemption of dollars. There isn't any. Then the dollar is not backed. The dollars of today are only accepted as purchasing units because of the confidence of the people that is based on residual memory of their past worth in redemption. When the bad check nature of dollars is exposed, their purchasing power will all but disappear. When we pledge wealth to the bankers to get dollars, we feel that since it cost us wealth pledges to get dollars, they must be worth that wealth, or why are we doing it? We pledge the wealth to the bankers to get dollars, but we use them to purchase production from our fellow producer consumers. They in turn can only use dollars to purchase from other producer consumers. Etc. Etc. No one can return those dollars to the banker, demand production, and get it. There isn't any production produced by the banker or held by him in reserve for the redemption of dollars so. Why do we pledge wealth to him to get dollars? We believe that it is the dollars that were deposited by other producer consumers that we are borrowing and therefore we think that the wealth we pledge to the bank is to guarantee the repayment of those dollars to the depositors of the bank. It is our lack of knowledge of the fractional reserve system that allows this mistaken idea. The depositors dollars deposited are the fractional reserve backing for the numbers written by the banker, newly created dollars. It is these newly created dollars, numbers, that we borrow not the ones deposited by the producer-consumer depositors of the bank. The new dollars cost the banker nothing to create so why should we pledge him anything to get them, why don't we pledge our wealth to the producer-consumer that will give up wealth in exchange for those dollars? The banker will not give any production to redeem his created at no cost dollars so why should we pledge our wealth to him to get them? When we write a check to pay for a purchase we must have the full amount of our check on deposit in our account to redeem it, or we are subject to prosecution by law. Why is the banker allowed to issue dollars with only a fraction of the amount on deposit and that fraction is the dollars deposited by others, not his money? The banker creates and issues dollars that are only numbers in a book as deposit credits and issues metal and paper tokens to represent those numbers as currency, coins and bills. The meaning of the word dollar has changed, from being a word to describe a portion of wealth held in reserve for the redemption of its tokens, 
to the use of the word and its representative tokens. Today as being the wealth itself in imagination. Today we pledge wealth, to the prestidigitator. Creating the illusion, with pen, and ink purchased with the illusion, to obtain the illusion from him. It is such a diabolical procedure to define that we do it and accept a belief that somehow the banker is performing a service when in fact he is expropriating our wealth as fast as he can create the dollars and exploit our lack of knowledge of what he is really doing. The dollar is not backed, it is not redeemable and therefore it is worthless and if accepted in exchange, it is in ignorance of its true nature. All right now what y'all think about that? Money, the greatest hoax on earth by Merrill Jenkins is available on Amazon. It's a green and white book. Now, y'all know I don't get paid to promote nothing because nobody don't even listen to little pod talk here because they think I'm crazy and I may be crazy. But let me tell y'all something like this here. When I got off into this book right here, it gave me a better perspective on the currency, on money. Because see, a lot of times we growing up, you know, we growing up and we looking at the other folks. We looking at the Joneses and the Jims and the Sandys and the Carolines and everything and the Biggies and we, 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 we trying to get this paper. Now they, now they got down. We are on this system now, you know. We are on this, this, this paper currency system now. This fiat system now. Like I tell y'all in my little pride talks, it's like a junkie. When you get a junkie hooked on something, he can't get off too fast. He got to go to rehab. And if they, and the only rehab for this money thing here is educating yourself about it and being a realist and coming to grips about this money thing here that we're dealing with. Now, we own this system right now. We own this being able to change right now. We own this thing. You know, we, we, we own it. So we have to figure out how to make it work. You see what I'm saying? And, and, and one thing who I don't, like I tell you all the time, who I don't want trying to figure this thing out is governments. I don't want governments trying to figure this thing out. Since the IMF and the central banks and the world banks, since them folks are in place, I think them folks better, better know how to manage this thing better than governments can because governments and politicians are panderers now we can't put the genie back in the bottle like when nixon took us in like in 71 70 somewhere back when nixon nixon took the united states out to go off the gold and silver standard you see that was it the genie out the bottle we can't put it back in the bottle because we all addicted we all addicted now to this money you know, the most ignorant thing I see is like these little old rappers, these little rapper boys these days having stacks of money to their ears on TV, all on social media. What a stupid. That shows you the valuation of money. That shows you right there where, where these folks look at stuff like that and they have to devalue it. It shows no value. Especially when you have colored folks, with st young colored folks who they consider uneducated and illiterate and stupid with stacks of money up to their ears. They don't like seeing that. They don't like seeing that. Because you don't understand money. You don't understand what it is you got in your head and what you're doing. But one thing you know, you're making yourself a target. And one thing you're doing, making yourself a target. That just dang, dang on right ain't smart. But to learn about this system that we own right now, you like I said, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. I mean, you, you, people talk about where well, we got to go back to the gold or silver. What the hell are you going to do with gold and silver? Only thing gold and silver is it's shiny. Now, you can make it, you know, melt it, or melt it down and make things with it, other shiny things with it. 
and in some technologies, you know, silver is, is good as a, as a radar deflection, you know, and gold is used as, as gold properties are used in some, you know, things to make some things, you know, and to put into some electronic. I can't tell y'all everything, but, you know, it is used to make things. Okay. Get what I'm saying is used to make things. Not to say I got this 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 shiny silver, I got this shiny gold thing here, and then uh, then I'm gonna attach this paper to it. Okay, you take this gold shiny thing here for that for that for that piece of meat. Okay, I'm a farmer. Okay, I'm a farmer. Okay, I got some cows. I can eat cows. I can't eat that gold. I can't eat that silver. So you gonna give me that gold and silver, right, for that cow? Right? So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you my car, I'm gonna take that gold and silver. Now I can't do nothing with that gold and silver. But sit there and look at it and see how pretty it is. I gotta take that gold and silver and do what? I gotta take that gold and silver and not go to some other sucker who got some corn, right? And say, look, man, if you give me some of that corn right there, I got some of these shiny things, big gold and silver here. I can back a U-Haul truck in and with a forklift and we can take because it's heavy, you can't carry it in your pocket. I get, I, I can, I, I can, I can, uh, get, I get my tractor and pull some of it over here, and you give me some of your coin, and then that guy say, "Come on, okay, go ahead, pull your tractor up with some of that gold and silver, put it there. That's some show, some pretty shiny stuff there. I can make some, some earrings with it and a watch. And then he look at it for a little bit. He say, "Well, shoot, man, I'm about tired looking at this shiny thing here. I'm kind of hungry." So he goes, he goes, so, 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 so he, he, he goes over to some other farm to, to Miss Claire who makes some Betty cakes. He say, Miss Claire, them Betty cakes show is good. She say, well, what you got? He say, well, I got some corn and I got some of this, uh, I got, got, got some of this shiny stuff. It's gold, but it's kind of heavy though. I have to get my tractor and pull some over here for you. Well, Miss Claire say, well, you know what? Well, uh, there you were, man. I give you if you give me some of that corn, I give you one of my Betty cakes. He say, "Well, wait a minute. What about that gold shine?" She say, "I can't do nothing with that. I make Betty cakes. I ain't got no tractor to pull all to haul that stuff around. I can't do nothing with that." You know, he he say, "Well, what was clear with that gold and shiny stuff here? What you can do is you can take that gold and shiny stuff. You can go to somebody. You can, you can, you can buy some flour. You trade flour." She say, "Well, why do I need to trade some flour?" flour for some of that gold and shiny stuff there when I can just take one of these Betty cakes I made and go and, and go to them flower folks and get them flour something that they can enjoy and they can eat for some day flour. And he said, well, you know what? That sounds about right. But see, but with the gold and shiny stuff here, you take the gold and shiny stuff here and if you need, if you need a, your roof patched on your, on, on your house or your barn, right? You take the gold and shiny stuff and you can get it somebody else, right? And they come, they come patch, and they come patch your roof for some of this gold and shiny stuff. She said, "Well, how I do that? Because once you pull it over here in the tractor, and you gave it to me. I ain't got no tractor. I got to get somebody a better cake like you to bring their tractor over here to haul it over to somebody who gonna put a roof on here." He said, "Well, I ain't think about it." She said, "But I can get that person one of my better cakes, something they can eat, and it's good to them, and they gonna come over here and they gonna patch the roof up on my house." He said, "Well, I ain't think about that." See. Then, and then you get some other guy, you get some other guy sitting around who don't make Betty cakes and he ain't a farmer, right? See, he's a pretty smart fella. He comes in, he say, well, you know what? 
Now, that little, that little, that little shiny stuff over there, that kind of heavy. You can't move that stuff around too easy, right? But, and your better cakes, your better, you guys, you make some good better cakes. But I tell y'all what, why don't we do this here? Why don't I get y'all this piece of paper right here, right? Why don't I take that gold? Okay, I take that gold. Okay, I hold it for you because see, you ain't got no bond and no space for this gold and this shiny stuff here. Because you gotta, you know, you gotta put all your harvest in your barn and stuff like that. Plus, you don't want nobody coming, you know, coming around with no brains truck or no semi and haul all your stuff away. See what I'm saying? So I keep it for you over here. And I'm gonna give you this piece of paper right here. Now, this piece of paper right here say now this this how much gold and shiny stuff that you got, and I'm gonna keep it for you. Okay? So you don't have to worry about it. Because you can trust me. Wink, wink, wink. You can trust me. <laughs> I'm not a crook like a <laughs> like Richard Nixon. You can trust me. So he gives that that guy, that guy who ain't got he ain't got nothing but brains, he get that farm or whatever that piece of paper. And then he he goes he, he goes to Miss Betty get with them Betty cakes and he say, Well look, see that he, he gonna get that piece 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 of paper over there for some of your Betty cakes? But see you go ahead and take that piece of paper because it's okay. Because I got his I got his shiny stuff over here. Right? I got his shiny stuff. And and anytime you want some of his shiny stuff, all that you gotta do is bring me that piece of paper and you can redeem it for some of his shiny stuff. See, because see you ain't got no truck and you don't want to get nobody no Betty cake to, 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 go, to go get no uh, tractor to pull in the over here and then you get somebody else another Betty cake to, to take some tractor to over there to that roofing fella. Then he goes to the roofing fella. He say, hey, roofing fella, look, man. Look, Dalla, I know that little shiny gold shiny stuff is kind of pretty, but it's kind of heavy. And, and you be doing these roofers and you ain't got no tractor to pull none of that stuff. But I tell you what, see this paper, this paper right here? Right, if, if 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 you want some of them Betty cakes, if she if she offer you some of this paper, uh, to fix her roof, right, to fix her roof, you go ahead, you go ahead, and you fix her roof because I got some of this gold and shiny stuff over here, right. That anytime you want it, you can bring me a piece of paper, and I give you some of this gold and shiny stuff. Now, uh, Miss Betty with them Betty cakes, Miss, it's, it's okay. All right, you 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 can take that paper. It's okay because. Because she's going to give you some paper, and you can also use this paper, not just the, the paper, take her paper to fix your roof, but you can also use this paper to buy some Betty cakes from her. And you know what? It all fixes in your pocket. You ain't got to worry about nothing. We'll take care of this shiny, this gold shiny stuff over here, and y'all just use this paper, and y'all and and take it between y'all, and everything okay. Anytime y'all want some of this gold shiny stuff, we got it over here. So now they get a whole a farming com community hooked on this paper stuff. And then it spreads to these, these little towns, these little cities, then the whole country, the whole world. Now everybody is using their little paper stuff because they say anytime you need to redeem it, I got some of this gold shiny stuff over here. Then when they get so big and you so hooked on it and ain't nobody got no tractor to pull none of this stuff around with it, then they say, well, wait a minute. How y'all like that? You know, they don't, they don't tell y'all nothing. They just tell y'all, say, hey, look, uh, the gold shiny stuff, uh, it's not backed by that stuff anymore, so we're going to take it over here. And then they keep putting TV advertising of I Love Lucy on to make you forget about that the gold and shiny stuff been taken away from you. And then they tell you on that paper, you know, on that paper that I give y'all, it ain't backed by nothing. Oh, if I give y'all $5, you got you to gotta give me 22% of it back. Because I got to take some of it to go do some other stuff over here with. 
because those are numbers that they're trying and trying to keep the system honest and correct. I got to take some numbers out of the system. So y'all got to give me a percentage of the papers that I put out there. That's how we get on this system. But see, the thing about it is that once you, once you, once you, if you can stomach through Merrill's book, Money, the Greatest Hoax on Earth, it's not the point that you want to that you want to destroy the monetary system. Because you tell me what other, what other system that billions of billions of people can be on now. Everybody can't trade pigs and chickens. Everybody ain't out there farming and hunting, you know, to 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 uh, 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 to, uh, to, uh, to to trade deer meat. Between them. everybody can't do that. Everybody ain't doing that. So you have to have a system. That's why these people trying to come up with this Bitcoin. If you talk and the Bitcoin people want to tell people that that the monetary system of greenbacks is bad, but they want to get you on onto an imaginary digital system, which is easy hackable. Come on, Bitcoin can't be hacked. The Bitcoins are being hacked every day. It's digital. Ain't nothing digital that's inside a computer that a hacker can't hack. So you won't tell me what you safer than me. Having green paper in my pocket is a whole lot safer than having than, 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 than having some digital money that can easily be hacked and taken away from you. At least greenbacks, at least at least, at least the papers in your pocket, under your mattress. You know, it, it, it may inflate. Now you're gonna deflate, it may inflate, it may, it may take more of them green pieces of papers to get some, but it's still some. Bitcoins, big, come on, man. Y'all get off that old Bitcoin thing. That's that, that. Like I say, it has to be a system now. The system ain't perfect, but the people who run the system, they do have an interest to stay alive, to keep their system going. The people who abuse the system, I would say abuse the system. The people who learn the system and take advantage of the system, you know, like Donald Trump's. And a lot of the billionaires, the Rockefellers, you know, the G5, these, these boys who know how to manage that money, who take it. All they know those guys did was they learned the game. They learned the game and they hired people who know how to game. Now, you too can learn the game and get in the game too. You know, you, you, you can do it too. But the, but the people who don't learn from the ground floor about this money thing... These are the ones that get trapped into the middle slavery of it. You have to, you, you have, I want y'all to learn about this thing. That's my only thing is. Now, just because you learn about it don't mean you're going to get rich. Because I ain't rich. I ain't rich, but I don't stress about it because I understand the system that we are on now. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. You know, like I look at these people talking about, man, look, man. The safe investment is gold. Put your money in gold. I see these commercials with these people talking about uh, uh, buy these gold coins. You know, think about it. These people want you to send them green paper money in exchange for a gold coin. If gold is worth so much, why the hell are they asking for your green paper? Y'all gotta think about that. I be looking at the I be thinking, am I crazy? Now you got gold coins that's supposed to be so valuable. But you want me to send you greenbacks, dollars, for that coin. Because that coin going to be worth something somewhere down the line. But yeah, you want my greenbacks now. How much sense does that make? And y'all was looking, y'all talking about, I'm going to buy me some gold. And then, and then, they, then they tell y'all where the price of gold has gone down. The price of gold is, is going up. 
Price of gold going down by now because it's going to go up. And y'all say, yeah, yeah, because gold is the only tangible currency there is. It's only value in the speculators. It's just like the speculators is, is, is and I, y'all go listen to my podcast on spec, speculators and hedge funds. The speculator is, is, you remember that guy I told y'all about? That, 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 that guy who, who, who watched the lady with the medicates and that farmer who came in and said, look, man, that's something to have. Here's this piece of paper. That's a speculator. That's a hedge funder. That's, that's the guy. That's the guy right there who has no skills but know how to manipulate people and introduce a fiat medium of currency, right, who controls everything because he controls whether or not, okay, next year, better case going to be worth this much or it's going to be worth that much. That coin is going to be worth this much or that much. He's the guy that's doing all that because that's the system that we own now. He's the guy. You know what you know, you know them guys on Wall Streets? Those guys. Those are hedge funds of speculators who's spending uh eight million dollars for 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 a seven hundred square foot uh condo in New York City. Ain't worth a hill of beans. And y'all talking about real estate is of instant value. Real estate is only valuable to those to those who are willing to pay for it. You got a lot of towns and cities and countries right now that got real estate. Old houses that was worth something at one time. Anyway, worth a hill of beans now. Trees growing in the middle of it, like Detroit. So y'all, y'all get up that system talking about the houses. Put your money in the property. Property's only worth something if somebody gonna pay for it. If somebody gonna pay for it, it ain't gonna worth nothing. You waste your money. My house is my value. Your house is your liability. Your house is not. Let me tell y'all something about a house. A house is not an investment until you sell it. Other than that, your house is a liability. Liability is anything that you gotta pay for. You gotta pay house note. You gotta pay, you gotta pay insurance. Even if your house paid off, you gotta pay insurance and you steady fixing stuff around there. Every night, every time you look around, you gotta you gotta you gotta go outside and fix a sprinkler hose, or you gotta go out there and put a put a put a patch on the roof, or you gotta cut the grass every doggone week. You're spending gas on it, right? You got lawnmower, you put on the lawnmower, you're spending money on it every week. It's a liability. When it becomes an asset is when you sell it and you make a profit. Now your house is an asset. So y'all don't get that. So don't, don't, don't let me tell y'all that. Oh, so real estate is safe. Real estate ain't safe. And this happened when I talk about people that have short memories. Y'all talk about real estate is safe. Don't y'all know what happened in 2007, 2008 when the stock market hit? Go to Detroit and some of these other places. The properties ain't worth a hill of bees. And I'm telling y'all, I've seen it. Trees growing in the middle of the houses now that used to be pretty houses. The people thought their house was safe. They had value in. And the market just crashed. So it's only valuable in your, your nice house you're living in now because everything seems like it's pretty good right now. But y'all got short, minute, short memories that can be devalued tomorrow. Like the stock market. The stock market shot up after 2008, especially when Trump got a shot up. Everybody making money, including myself. Now that thing shooting down, shooting down like a like a like like like, like one of the space a, a, a space a, space a rockets that he first started off with, shooting down. Just fast went up, and now it's shooting that fast coming down. Everybody panic. I'm not panicking because I understand, right? Right? It's a you, if you gonna play the system, the system gonna go up, the system gonna go down. But other people, other people playing with your money, and it's not your money. Well, eh. Technically, 
you use your wealth, your your wealth, your wealth is your labor. You use your labor, labor to make whatever money. So I guess whatever that little piece of paper is, you earn that paper, but it ain't yours; it's theirs. You got you got to ride the system out. You got to ride the system out. This thing that we going through right now, I tell you all the time, follow the money. Everything going on now is about following the money. I'm not saying it's good or it's bad. It's just a market, a market correction going on. They're correcting the market. And they're using a perfect tool. They're using a tool that you keep people at home and you can slow people buying down. You can't raise the interest rate, you can slow people down, but that buying down by keeping their butts at home. Oh, then they spending money on this food. Food and gas. And cable, I hear the other day, HBO talking, HBO Showtime talking about giving people free HBO and Showtime for them old rerun movies. Ain't worth a hill of beans. To keep you at home entertained. Keep you distracted. That would keep them all distracted. They don't want nobody listening to no Merle Jenkins, reading no books, studying about this thing. Now, like I tell y'all again, I don't want the system to go away because the system is what we got. I just want the system to be fixed. And it's not so much a system being fixed, because there ain't no fixing to it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I use that word. There ain't no fixing to it. Just the people that's taking advantage of it, and, and, I, and I, I'm using the wrong word again. They're not taking advantage of it. They just looking. They just using the loopholes that's there and manipulating the system. And that zero percent interest crap, that cheap money. That's what that's what's getting us in trouble now. And everything going on right now, they doing it because they don't want that bubble to hit anymore, like it did in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. They don't want that no more. That's why, like I say, this thing is mainly hitting the United States and Europe. I keep telling y'all, you don't hear nothing about this going on down in Brazil or Mexico because their currencies and their markets ain't as strong. You don't hear nothing about that going on down there. And if you do about it, they don't, they don't, they don't bit more care about it. Because like I tell you, people get the flus every day. There's a mark correction going on. Look, man, y'all go on Amazon. Y'all get this book, Money the Greatest Hoax. It ain't an easy read. It ain't just like it ain't an easy listen. I'm going to be doing... You know, every nine day, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take about four chapters, and I'm gonna put it on there. And even, like I said, even the hard is is a hard listen. But y'all go through it, man, and y'all learn about this money thing. Y'all learn about what's going on now with this Corona thing here. I'm not saying it ain't serious. The flu season is always serious because you're talking about harmful viruses. You're talking about stuff, microorganisms that can in your body that. <coughs> That can kill you. You know what I mean. All viruses are serious. You don't take no, 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 no virus or no flu lightly. Nor should you take what's going on. But this right here is the perfect, perfect opportunity, the perfect tool. See why you sitting there watching free HBO and Showtime because they're gonna give it to you. Them people, them, them people doing their thing. Like my daddy say, while you sleeping, boy, they're in the back room. They're in the back room smoking a, 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 a Oliva Madura V-Series cigar. 
having a cognac, talking about what they're going to do. Then they come out of their closet and they do it. You know, you know, like, you know, like, like this book I read on business one time, this businessman said, he said, uh, when they, when they got into what, what, uh, what is, uh, what's, what's this, what they call it? The fancy word for it, uh, multi, multi-level marketing, pretty much a Bonzi scheme, you know, multi-level marketing, you know, this guy, he say, uh, he, uh, he got it. Matter of fact, I'm not, I'm not going to give it away. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do a little part. I'm going to do a little pod talk on it. I'm going to do a little pod talk on it. I'm going to show you how some of these multi-level, I call them Ponzi schemes, how they, how they work. You know, you know, like these, you know, like, like these companies like, uh, 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 Mary Kay or, or what was, what's one of the other, other companies that was similar like that to have janitorial supplies. If you bring somebody in, you know, you bring somebody in, you move up a level, and then you bring somebody in, right? They have so many sales, and they bring somebody else in, and then you get you get money off of their sales. You know that old crap. <laughs> I forgot the other companies that do that. You know, hey, I, hey, I like I don't know if Mary Kay's a Ponzi scheme, but you know that would, that would you know because you know they have product. A lot of companies like that have products. You know, allegedly, I don't know if it's a Ponzi scheme. Or I don't know Sumi Mary Kay. I don't know. I she ain't no pond. Ain't no pond. But the, the things that have the you come in, you come in right, and then you bring somebody else in, right, and, and whatever they sell or whoever they bring in, you get a commission off of that, and they keep stacking. I remember old girl will try to get me in some old crap like that back in uh, Detroit at one time. <laughs> I was like, what if you something else? You know, back back then we would that back then we would call it the Madoff. <laughs> But Madoff wasn't selling nothing. But at least, at least with these companies that have these Tupperwares, we bring at least they do have some plastic Tupperware. They try to throw it off a little bit, like they selling really products. But really, you know, it's like that little they call it multiple level marketing. I guess I'm gonna do a little pod talk on that. <laughs> guy, guy here recently tried to uh, trying to get me into into, into some into some crap like that, boy. So I mean. People show sure try to take your take <laughs> take your little money anywhere they can, boy. That's because we gotta learn about this thing. We got to learn about this thing. Sometimes, some so, sometimes it's better to try to do something. Sometimes it's better not to do nothing at all. Like right now, people say, "Well, should I sell my stock or should I pull out?" Sometimes it's better not to do nothing at all. If you don't know what to do, now if you know what to do, you do what you know what to do. You take your chance. If you don't know what to do, don't do nothing at all. Don't do nothing at all. If you got money in the stock market, you know, yep, you're going to lose. You're going to lose a little more like myself. Don't do nothing at all. Don't do nothing at all. That's the best thing to do. Let it, leave it alone. All right? Well, look, I took up enough of y'all time. I'm going to get on out of here. Like I say, man, what what I want y'all to do is, you know, I want y'all to support your local cigar spot. I keep telling y'all this all the time. Support your local cigar. Drop some money into the local economy, right? Keep it circulating. You know, y'all talking about what he talking about, what he talking about. Look, man, this is something that we own, right? This is something that we own. Just be smart about what you use. Learn about what you use, but be smart about what you use. You know, and like tonight, y'all know this Olivia Series V is a good stick. All the things I be telling y'all about is some good sticks, right? Everything. Now, I've really, really got into the big, 
the big high-end sticks yet. See, these sticks here, like this stick here, this stick here is at a price point of from seven to twelve dollars is the price point of this stick here. So I'm saying people do think they can go they can, they can go get them cigars, you know, them 34, 40. It, it's oh, this is the best cigar. Man, let me tell you something. You get some really good cigars in the price range of nine to twelve dollars, nine to fourteen price range. Get some really good cigars. Just as combo to them big high falutin big name cigars. Now one thing I like I like about I didn't mention though, about this Olivia. Series B Maduro. I like the wrapper. I like the band. I like the band on these sticks. It's a very, it's a very, is 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 a is a is a pretty is a pretty band. I like I like the Oliva brand, the bands around the sticks. I like those. I, you know, I don't know why I'm mentioning it right now. Cause I'm sitting up here, I'm sitting up here looking at it. I like this band. This is a nice band on this stick right here. All these little levers. You know, this brown band, brown, brown like brown and gold. Y'all go to my website. Go to y'all go to my website and y'all take a take y'all take a look at it. My website is jp one a v e dot com slash wp. All right, that's my website. You know, and y'all go to my website and look. I'm tell y'all too. Y'all donate some money to my website too. Cause I gotta, I gotta keep buying my cigars. See, I like the people tell y'all, well, donate to my little website here, cause I gotta be get some better equipment, or we won't expand nothing. Look, yo, donate to my little website here, cause I need to buy me some more cigars. You see what I'm saying? I need to go to Roz and pump some money in my local economy. Now, I get these little talks here. I like to have my little stick, and and y'all, y'all should donate to my cigar fund. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Ain't nothing wrong with it. You donate to everything else. You know, somebody go on TV with a dog crying. You know, y'all want to donate fifty cent a day. You know, for 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 for, for poodles. You know, poodles. You know, look at poodles. You know, poodles was a spread. Hey, I I, I know I, I'm making them make, make some dog love. I love dogs. Don't get it wrong. I'm just I'm just using an analogy. I'm maybe I'm using a bad analogy. I'm just saying about the people on them TVs who be putting all that little babies from Ethiopia and uh, stray dogs and, you know, with the dogs crying and, you know, with, with the kids, with, you know, with the big bellies, how they, you know, tell y'all, give me 50 cents a day. That's all I'm saying. And y'all donate y'all money and them kids and them dogs shells don't see none of that money. So I'm just saying, you know, you know, y'all won't donate to my little cigar fund. Y'all donate my cigar fund. Because, see, when I pump money to my local cigar economy... Because I know like my cigar spot, you know, Roz, they do a lot of things for Cigars for Warriors, right? They do a lot of things and they, they, they do a lot of things to help the community. See, I know where the money go. You see what I'm saying? I don't send my money to them things on TV who be, who be talking about, you know, send me this money and we're going to feed these kids over in Tanzania or some dog or what. Because that money ain't going to Tanzania. You see what I'm saying? But I know when I spend some money at at, at Roz, I, Roz, I know I know I know Bobby, I know Bobby and them, you know Bobby and them and the guys up there, they gonna batch up thousands of cigars, thousands of cigars, and send our troops overseas. So that's a good cause. Okay, so y'all donate to me. <laughs> yeah, all right, look, I'm going out of here. Look, all right now, now y'all know like I tell y'all all the time when I leave in life, y'all take care of everybody, but more importantly. Take care of yourself first. All right now.